welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the Prince of Pex over there in South Jersey. <laughs> Benny Horowitz, what's up, dude? Not so much, my friend. Man, Not so much. You heard the intro. <laughs> Not so much. Working on it. Trying to get back into shape here. We'll be all right. Oh, uh, but what's new? What's new down there? That's it. I'm trying not to have my like I, I grew accustomed to I'm like, oh, I'll have a light dinner, but then I'll have like a bowl of cereal <laughs> with granola and peanut butter mm. and all sorts of stuff on it, like midnight, you know? <laughs> so I'm trying to cut that one out. Is granola healthy? Because I've kind of started <laughs> to get on like the kind granola kick as I'm like, okay, I can have this with my coffee. It still tastes like I'm having like some sort of cake because I'm a big sweets person. Yeah. But I'm trying to wean myself off of it. I have no idea if I'm just like, you know, you might as well be eating Captain Crunch. I think for someone like you, it's probably not so healthy because you <laughs> eat meat, you know? Yeah. Um, granola can be a good substitute for like, because there's nuts in it. There's grain. It's it's hearty. It has like a lot of proteins and fats. Mm. So it can be kind of like a good addition for maybe someone who eats meat. But someone who eats meat and is yeah. getting down with a lot of granola, now nah, you probably don't need it. I'm not a huge red meat person. I'm more chicken and uh, I'm more chicken and fish. So I'm a well, good listen, date for, date for I learned, a wedding. I learned when I was uh, when I was in France the first couple times. The Americans' problem isn't exactly what we're eating. It's just how much of yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. You know, like people in France, they eat plenty of, drink plenty of wine, eat plenty of cheese, eat plenty of chocolate. You know what I mean? All this mm. stuff that we like, they just, they're just not fat fucks about it like us, you know? <laughs> Though they eat some fatty shit, man. You ever been to Lyon? All those? No, oh, of course they cook. I mean, they literally roast everything in whole, uh, full butter, <laughs> but they just don't eat till like. Oh, they don't have to fucking undo their belt after a meal and pass out, you know, like <laughs> they're actually in it for the night. Well, you know what segment isn't a fat fuck, Benny? It's Tell this me. day in music history. Do, 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 do. What a lean, a lean, <laughs> nice. Look at the body on that segment. Oh, it's it, it's tight. This is my Bill Walton. This is my Bill Walton about this segment. So on this day, this is a fun one and something I... It's, it seems like an innocuous fact about rock and roll, but mm. it's nice to get away from, like, you know, murder and drugs and whatever is usually happening. So on this day in 1983, ZZ Top, Texas' own blues rock band, released their video for Gimme All Your Lovin'. And uh, I, I don't know if you would know the significant importance for, uh, for car heads in this, but it makes the first appearance of The Eliminator which was Billy Gibbons' 1933 Ford Hot Rod. Mm. And it turns out it's the same car, Billy's car, that turns up in the three other ZZ Top videos from that record. Now, here's the thing that really threw me off about it was ZZ Top kind of apparently uh, sort of revolutionized the way MTV was doing videos because the Gimme All Your Lovin' video had no studio footage, which broke away from the normal format of band plays fake concert while other stuff goes on and it's all outdoors there's an opening scene where a gas station attendant's there the eliminator shows up with three lovely ladies inside as if he's waking up from a dream and he goes over so it's cool but the thing that he did that was also interesting was it left room for a sequel mm. so the next zz top video sharp dressed man he's working as a valet and all of a sudden the eliminator pulls up and the same three ladies come so 
I'm giving ZZ Top a little credit here for like uh, making a, a series of concept videos in the early 80s, breaking away from the format and making Billy Gibbons' very famous uh, 1933 hot rod uh, a star. So, and it also turns out the car was uh, such a hit that he had an absolute recreation made of it just for live appearances. So there's two of them just for that. So I think you can say uh, Billy Gibbons and the Eliminator have the most famous car in rock history, I think. I got a question for you about music videos while we're on the subject, okay? Sure. How do you conceptualize it um, in terms of like what goes with the song? Because you've had some pretty interesting ones. The Here Comes My Man video is probably one of my favorite concepts oh, of cool. a music video. And, and, and I don't know that you were directly involved in that. So like how you come out with the song, how much is it the artist putting together the concept for the video? Well, Danny, I got something interesting to tell you for that one. Yeah. You're talking to the right guy. I know. I, I, I do my homework. It was me. <laughs> yeah. That one was mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, created the concept for that video and did the same thing that like a director would do. You know, I put together the idea and essentially like gave the band a treatment mm. um, to see if they liked the concept and to toy with it at all. Uh, you know, the the uh, having a superstar in a video was a the major label's idea to try to bring more eyes to it. And uh, Cox. me and Kevin Slack came up a little short on budget in other areas because of it. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty cool to have that in there. And yeah, my concept for the video that time, believe it or not, uh, you know, I got the initial idea almost from that film Last Action Hero with mm -hmm. Schwarzenegger, mm -hmm. you know, when he becomes immersed into the film that he's seeing. Um, so, yeah, that one was me. The handwritten video on the same cycle yeah. was me. Um, so to answer your question uh, uh, directly about the process, you know, if someone from the band or many members of the band have ideas and have very specific ideas. You don't need to hear any other ideas from anyone else. As long as that band can either sell it and pitch it to the label or has creative control to do their own videos. The only time you'd start opening the door to other people's concepts is if you have no ideas or have nobody in mind, or you're a band that's just like, here you go label, you do mm. it, which there are some, uh, and that's when, you know, some industry person puts out feelers to 10 or 12 different people, send out the song. Those people hear the song and come up with their own concepts and treatments for what they'd like to see within the budget. And, and then you just basically decide. I have a hard time imagining that Tom Petty was like, you know what? We need an Alice in Wonderland video, but, but set <laughs> in the 80s anyway. Who knows? Who knows? He might have, you know. Might have been doing some drugs that week. <laughs> well, Benny, on this day in 1980, a thief broke into Electric Lady Studios in New York City, the recording studio built by Jimi Hendrix, and stole five Hendrix gold records. Oh, uh, the albums were Are You Experienced, 
Axis Boulders Love, City of Love, Rainbow Bridge, and Live at Monterey. Boy, the, the Live right. at Monterey one's a tough one. Thank God these weren't masters and just the gold records. By the way, like if you're stealing the gold record, what's the value to that as compared to like, I'd rather have, like if I'm going to steal like something from a recording studio, go for the masters. They're worth more. Yeah, I don't think it's worth dick. I think yeah. it's one of those like, <laughs> Wait, what is it like? Uh, like a- during the LA riots, like someone stole OJ's Heisman. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's like, like what are you gonna do? Sell it? You have to bury it in your backyard. It's like worth no money. So if you steal something that obvious, you know, like yeah, it's pretty pretty hard to get off. I don't know what the black market looks like for <laughs> people's gold records, and especially back then, you know, um, that's when labels had money, and that's when labels like the flex. So they probably made gold records for many 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 people who were involved with the albums i'd imagine still pretty valuable though mm. did they ever turn up or is, or is no this like... see i i i feel like every time i choose these stories i go to do the follow-up research and there's always a like oh like it just kind of trailed off so i'm i'm some they're still sort, out there buried yeah. in someone's backyard <laughs> somewhere is five Jimi hendrix cold or days. there's just ndas out the wazoo i have no yeah, idea yeah but <laughs> But Benny, you know, the weather's getting warmer. We're all, both showed up to this podcast wearing white. So, you know, that summer's coming. And what's that? You can wear white after Memorial Day, some shit like that. Um, not, well, not on the tune up. We do whatever the fuck we want. But it is officially music festival season. Um, the venues are. Uh, Promoters across the country have started to release their lineups um, everywhere from Austin City Limits, Summerfest in Milwaukee. We have a bunch of different things. So ahead of this, I asked you to look through some of them. Which festivals are looking best for you? Since we actually have real music news, live music is going right. to happen. So what right. do you like? Well, first off, the whites after Memorial Day is always insane to me because white t-shirt looks so much better once you get your base tan that's you know? true that's true like like when you have your pasty white <laughs> winter skin with a white shirt contrast just doesn't work yeah by the time it's june july i'm really a solid shade of bronze and i like the way a white looks so <laughs> i truly don't believe in that um so i did i did you know uh i was keeping up you you've made me as as hip as i can be oh. looking at festival lineups i usually gloss over these especially if i'm not playing or going <laughs> um <laughs> so i did look into some they look good yeah. uh I, these are the ones i pinpoint I, I i'm into riot fest mm. riot fest chicago is looking good we have headliners of uh, nine inch nails pixies smashing pumpkins faith no more devo so it's essentially like an old person rock and roll show for people between like 35 and 55. Mm. Um, and then they just threw run the jewels on there to, <laughs> to pretend they're trying a little bit. Um, so I think that one was pretty good. You know, for me, uh, you know, Lollapalooza looks nice. Mm-hmm. Also in Chicago, Grant Park this year, it's post Malone, the killers, Kendrick, Anderson pack, um, Pearl jam, uh, New favorite of Mercy Union, Lewis Capaldi. And oh, uh, yeah, that's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. That, those boys, <laughs> they cut deep. They're very emotional. Um, <clears throat> I, you know what I like about the Lala lineup is that it seems like they spend real big on headliners and kind of put smaller and more interesting artists early. I see a lot of these festivals kind of 
stacking the bill with sort of like mid-level artists and kind of putting all their money that way. And I mean, it is probably better. Get some people in the door with the headliners and then maybe open people's uh, eyes up to something they haven't heard. But with Lollapalooza, there is also the um, probability that these are like really hip kind of pitchfork bands. And I just don't know who the fuck they are. Um, (laughs) I love uh, Furnace Fest. I'm not going to sit here and list all the bands because I don't know how many uh, tune-up fans are big fans of metal hardcore and straight edge hardcore, but Furnace Fest has like every good hardcore band you could want. And if I made it down there, you would see some version of me uh, floor punching with a backpack on like the, uh, like the late nineties. But I got to put one on top just because it's a personal favorite and it's like the punk rock festival, um, not punk rock bowling, the fest in Gainesville, mm. which, you know, I've been to a couple times. I've played a couple times. It's, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. Every time I'm there, I, uh, have moments of pure punk bliss and, and glory. And it's really a beautiful place. I also, it's usually met at some point with Jesus Christ. I hate this. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> but that just made me, me at a festival in general. <laughs> But this year, I mean, literally Hot Water Music and Gorilla Biscuits are two of the headliners. So that's straight to my heart. I mean, those are two bands that uh, if you asked me tomorrow to go drum a set for either of those bands, I could go do it without practicing. That's how much I love those bands. Um, But also many of my loves like Murder by Death, Teenage Bottle Rocket, Strike Anywhere, Comeback Kid, Myron Life is War, Tim Barry. I would definitely enjoy uh, drinking on the streets of Gainesville and taking that in (laughs) and probably having a late night burrito. It's usually my style. That was exactly why I was going to bring up Austin City Limits. Now, I've always (laughs) wanted to go to that festival. I know that you guys have played it a a couple times, but I'm always fascinated uh, when you try to appeal to everybody because I feel you can go from one stage, you have Stevie Nicks to the baby bringing out Dua Lipa on the other. That's interesting to me. You got Billie Eilish and Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, by the way, man, I have a I have a weird relationship with some of these Austin City Limits because there's like Megan Thee Stallion and she does her whole thing, right? But then there's... Benny, have you ever heard of Doja Cat? No, I haven't. I think, you know, the it, she is a pop... She's like a, if Nicki Minaj was more pop, okay? But, man... This girl has had more. So I think the way she kind of puts out her music via TikTok now is fucking weird. So like her songs aren't necessarily good, but they have like the 10 seconds you need to create like a TikTok thing. And Um. anybody below the age of 20 likes it. So you may have terrible songs, but you've got that one thing that everybody knows because they've been trying to emulate for the past six to eight months. And I don't know if that gets people in the door, but it's an interesting experiment that I'm fascinated to see how that goes over. I mean, it sounds like just an extension of what already happened. Like, I've literally played with bands at uh, radio festivals who didn't have albums. Mm. And, you know, whatever song they were playing on the radio at that time, they would open with, (laughs) play like a cover two random terrible songs and then close with the same exact song four songs later because they didn't have enough. (laughs) So uh, I think it's just like an extension of that when you're going into pop, 
you really do only need the hook. That's all people want at yeah. these festivals. And I think you're playing right into it. So I don't know much about that. The Stevie Nicks and the baby. That's, that's mm. a little weird. I can't imagine those two hanging out backstage. It seems like a weird mix. I don't know. Stevie and her witches. I mean, they hang out with everybody. Wait, is is she is she touring as Stevie Nicks and her witches? No, 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 like, no, no. But, but like she's got her like. I thought that was like her backing pants. <laughs> uh. No, she's got these this like entourage of like women, and apparently, you know, they they've been known to hang out with Harry Styles, and these women just go hard until the morning light, and to yes. the point where a young Harry Styles is like, I gotta tap out. So, and Stevie. that guy, yeah, no, he, she goes yes. hard still. I did. I got to meet Stevie Nicks once oh, yeah? at a recording studio. Very quick, very in passing, but was one of those people I got like that, like. You're like glowing a weird color type person, you know, <laughs> just someone with uh, obviously like just that abundance of charisma, you know, oh, that's awesome. some people you just get around and you feel that, you know? Yeah. She was one of them. That's she was very f- nice too. Very that, nice. That's very how I feel polite. every time I do this podcast. Oh, oh. Go. <laughs> stop. Stop it. Continue. But <laughs> say more. No, uh, Violet, well, we can't sleep on one happening local to home. Local to home. Uh, the See Here Now Fest, Benny. We got Pearl Jam, oh. Smashing Pumpkin, Pumpkins, goodness gracious, Avid Brothers, and we got a little Billy Idol, Patti Smith. How do you feel about Patti Smith, Benny? I like Patti Smith. Yeah, even though yeah, she has a song sure. that has the N-word in it from 1972. I mean, I feel weird about uh, this. I uh, I honestly don't know what you're talking about, so I'm not going to comment on it <laughs> okay. currently. Smart move, smart move. But uh, yeah, <laughs> let me just go ahead and say there's a lot of stuff from the early '70s that if we put on the block is going to get chopped. All right, Benny, the NBA playoffs are upon us. Boy, we had an incredible play-in tournament in the beginning of the week. By the way, that Lakers-Warriors game where LeBron, you know, we were up late on uh, when I was at Wednesday um, when LeBron nailed the three in Steph Curry's face. Um, That game, the Lakers-Warriors game, six million people. Wow. It's pretty impressive for a game that started after 10 on the East. Yeah. Well, playing is working. But we have our first round matchups. They are set for the most part. Um, we have Philadelphia taking on the winner of Indiana Washington. Um, I think that that's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. I'd love to see Bradley Beal and Russ go up against the Sixers. That'd be really cool. Uh, moving on down the bracket, we have your New York Knickerbockers, my New York Knickerbockers, against uh, act, act, actually Benny's team because he loves Trey uh, Young to no end. Almost called him Trey Hawk there, but that's the 4-5 <laughs> matchup. Knicks, Hawks, like that. And Benny, we get to the business end of the Eastern Conference bracket on, on the bottom side of it. We have the three seed, my Milwaukee Bucks, going up against the, the nemesis, and I do mean the nemesis, the the culture itself, the Miami Heat. So Bucks Heat in a 3-6 matchup. And then we have the Brooklyn Nets taking on a very feisty Boston team that's going to want uh, Jason Tatum to go for 50 every single night. So Benny, out of all of these matchups, which one are you looking forward to the most? Uh, let's go. Let's go. You know, conference for conference here. Yeah. Uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to the most, um, well, what I mean, as far as what I'm looking forward to the most is watching the Nets yeah. 
win probably in four games Oof. against the Celtics. I'd so. be shocked if it goes past five. Um, that team has been a mess all year, and uh, I don't know. Blake Griffin's got some pretty hot takes coming out of practice today. <laughs> they look great, apparently. Um, but I'd say in the East, I'm I'm probably most excited for uh, Milwaukee, Miami. I really think that's going to be a. Uh, I mean, you saw it happen last season. There's history with these teams. Um, you know, Bam is is one of the very few people who can match up with Giannis toe to toe. You know, uh, I think Chris Middleton is wildly underrated, and I love the matchup with him and Butler. I love what's going on in the guard slot there. Um, but that's actually where I think Milwaukee has the major advantage is um, I've been unimpressed with Miami's guard play this year. I think it's been pretty um, pretty suspect. And oftentimes, uh, if Jimmy Butler is not handling the offense, the offense doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that reason, it gives Milwaukee a fairly major edge over this, especially once Drew Holiday gets to put his clamps and some guys uh, in the backcourt. So I like Milwaukee in that one in probably probably about six games. The tightest one in the East, mm-hmm. I do believe, is going to be Knicks-Hawks. I think that's going to be a grinding series. Um, I could see it going either way a, a bunch. I do give the Hawks a slight advantage just because of the uh, it's the playoffs, man. You need shot makers, baby. You know, and, and if it's coming down to a really tight series, I just trust the guys on Atlanta's side of the ball to – to get some get some more open looks and to create a little more fireworks for themselves. But I think that is probably the uh it might be the most like brutal series mm. that's coming. I think that's gonna be a tough series. Atlanta's chippy and trying to show themselves. Uh Capella really, you know, thinks he's like just the dominant big man who can really take people down. And I think he's gonna have some some issues there. So really excited for that Eastern Conference one. Um Moving on to the West. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait. Okay. So I, you know, just want to chime in here about uh, Knicks Hawks here because I... What do you got? These are, this is, I'm skeptical of the Knicks here because what happens every year in the first round? I feel like in either the Eastern or the Western Conference, there's the one team that we're talking about. In this case, it's the Knicks and people have been doubting them all year. And somehow these matchups always tend to go astray. I mm. and you know the Knicks may pull this out because you know they they do have a borderline MVP candidate in Julius Randle. I don't think that Atlanta has that, but the the Nate McMillan Tom Thibodeau coaching matchup is going to be interesting because these are both guys that have historically underperformed in the playoffs with yeah. with good to great teams. Um, but you're right; it's going to be ugly. Um, it's because Nate McMillan, for some reason, just wants to slow that team down all the way. And that team was meant to soar. They're called the Hawks, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that team. So that's going to be a grind it out series. And it makes it so easy for Philadelphia in the next round. I can't believe Philadelphia's yeah. march to the conference final. It's like if they don't get there, boy. I mean, I, I get it's the first year of the Doc Rivers tenure, but whoof. The the thing that I'm interested in the bottom here, man, this this Bucks path to the NBA finals is treacherous. It's <laughs> yeah, a little rough. You have to go through the team that you haven't been able to beat, which I it's a completely different team. And for those that say, oh, the Heat are different too. 
They may be different, but have they gotten better? I don't exactly think and so. They're not that different. I mean, that's the thing. And and the, I think the one you know the one thing about the Heat is you know you give Spo a little time yeah. to put a game plan together. Put a game plan together, you know. And I'm scared about that. Um, Mike Boonholzer has never shown, whether it be here, whether it be in Atlanta, that he can make the adjustments at the exact right time. So it's you're really, nervous, huh? I'm very nervous about this. I'm, <laughs> I'm. I signed up to work that game so that I didn't have to process my emotions in real time. Honest story. Um, and then your Nets, man. I, yeah, I do think it's going to be, this is going to be where the cohesion happens. You've heard Steve Nash talk down the end of the season, how this team was finding its like rhythm, how they needed to go through some of these total um, games that are down to the wire to build that chemistry, go through some of those battles together. But I don't think there's any player in the league right now that I'm picking over Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant's been that good. Um, I guess he's not going to be the MVP. Uh, I get that that's a Jokic locked up, a Gobert close second. Um, but nobody, when you're coming to, you know, nut busting time, I'm taking over Kevin Durant. No, no, I don't know. I mean, even with uh, some of his, you know, limitations this season, is there more anyone else you'd rather throw the ball to with five seconds on the shot clock than Kevin Durant? Maybe Steph so. Curry. Maybe Steph Curry this season. Maybe but. now. Maybe now. I mean, watching last <laughs> night, we just watch four guys chasing after him, and he just slips through. I told you. I think I, I texted you this last night. I think on average, there's <laughs> six to nine times a Warriors game. I just go like this, which which means, what the fuck are you gonna do about that? You know, like just this yeah. unguardable play. This un- he's he really is incredible. There's there's very few people more electric to watch than Steph, and uh, I hope he gets to the next round just so I can see it. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you remember you know in those in in those prime Vince Carter years where sometimes he would take the three and you'd be like, no 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 no, yes, that's 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 I, Steph I, on like I'm, another level. I got over that like four seasons ago, you know, like, and that's yeah. where I think Steph is, you know, it happens all the time with greatness is like somebody does something remarkable, starts to do something remarkable and you quickly forget how remarkable it is. Yeah. There's no one else in the league. Even he invented this stuff like yeah. five seasons ago, five seasons ago. I was like, Oh, okay. This guy's fucking crazy. What is he doing? I'm like, Oh, he hits these. Yeah. He hits these at a high clip. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm better get used to this. <laughs> and then you get so used to it. You're like, Oh, here comes Steph again, just doing what he does. <laughs> but every time it's still remarkable and there's no one else in the league playing like that. I mean, maybe Lillard is at times, you know, Trey at times is trying, but nobody has that complete game. I thought the most impressive, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but I thought the most impressive thing about Steph's entire game last night was that one play he comes around on Draymond, mm-hmm. top of the key, gets the ball, three fucking guys on top of him. He gives it back up, goes to the corner. You know, he shows like he's going back towards Draymond and then makes this beautiful back cut that Dre sees and gets him on. And I'm like, that's what he does on an offense that none of these other guys do. Mm-hmm. He had never stops moving. It's like a... It's like a mix between the best point guard you've ever seen and like Reggie Miller at the same time, as far as coming off screens and the constant movement and the really smart places to be on the floor. I don't know. I was so impressed with Steph last night. I, I don't have 
uh, enough good things I could say about him. And it's he's it, a little yoked up these days too. Know, he's know, he's right? taking it's some so creatine crazy. or something. It's it's interesting because it's almost like he's br- brought like a a soccer tactic to the NBA. Now guys have moved before. Guys have moved off the ball before, but nobody quite stalks the ball. And 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 when you yeah. watch the Warriors on on offense, he could be in the corner, but he's always moving. He's constant motion. And when you stalk the ball, you end up you know. In a not not to say a mismatch, but you end up being in the right place, and that's why he he creates his own shot is because he's always moving. It's incredible to watch. Really is, really is. And imagine what it would look like with Clay Thompson still. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know? Hey man, oh man. All right, so let's get to this Western Conference situation here. Up top, we have the Utah Jazz. Um, they're taking on uh, the winner of Golden State, uh, Memphis, which I think is going to be a fascinating matchup yeah. um, on Friday night. I honestly think that there could be a chance for this to go the distance. I know that Utah is historically great from three, but if there's any team that knows how to defend it, it's this Golden State Warriors team. And the the way that the Warriors defense has evolved – uh, near, down the stretch this season has been impressive. All right, so so that's our first matchup. Our next matchup, you know, as we work our way down the table here, the L.A. Clippers versus Dallas, you know, now's the time to put up or shut up for the Clippers. You know, you had all that conversation about chemistry while you're facing a team that, you know, has been pretty much playing for their, their life uh, for the past month here. I like what this Dallas team brings. So four or five matchup, we have Clippers- Mavericks uh, working our way down the table. Uh, we have the People's MVP Nikola Jokic taking on the Internet's MVP and Damian Lillard in a three-six matchup between Denver and the Blazers. Love that one. That that one's gonna be a lot of fun. And then finally, you know, we saw the Lakers win last night. They win that only to go up against the number two seed, the Phoenix Suns. So Benny, same question as before: What in the Western Conference are you liking? Well, I'm just liking the Western Conference first <laughs> off because, you know, I think in the East we have two series that I'm considering a wash before they even start, which yeah. is Philly and Brooklyn. I don't think the West has any of those. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm really looking forward to most of the matchups here. Uh, I don't have any uh, crazy hot takes. I do think the Blazers take the Nuggets. Um, I think uh, the Blazers starting five, particularly in the last month, has been playing at a very elite level. Um, and even though Jokic is insane, Porter took that jump. Portland's just got that seasoning. And if uh, Nurkic stays on the floor, I like the size. I like the length. I like the scoring. And I think Portland has a good chance to take out Denver. Not a very hot take considering Jamal Murray's out. Right. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I know it's, it's going to be a sexy thing, especially if the Warriors get into the 1-8 game to say that they can give Utah some trouble. I don't see it as much as, you know, I just put my nose up Steph's ass for five (laughs) minutes. He, I think he'd have to put up uh, 65 points a game, you know, to, to try to take over this Utah team over a seven game series. People forget how good this team is, how long they've been put together. I know that um, they're considered a bit of a paper tiger because of their regular season history as compared to their playoff history, but I don't think the Warriors give them too much problems there. Uh, Lakers-Suns. <laughs> oh, goodness, I'm looking forward to seeing that. 
because uh, the Suns I like very much going into the playoffs. But if there's anyone who I can see matching up the worst for the Phoenix Suns, it seems to be the Lakers. Um, people who can clog it up, get get physical on those uh, on those guys. Um, uh, who's covering LeBron? You know, like I, there's just a bunch of questions for this Phoenix team against LA that I don't particularly like. And uh, this might be the indication that Phoenix was still one year away before the Chris Paul thing, but I'm not sure. And I do think it's at least going to be a series. The one I think is going to be the hottest and the longest and the hardest to predict is this Mavs Clippers series. I do think the Clippers are the better team, but the Mavs have a player. I don't know if you've heard of him (laughs) named, uh, JJ Reddick, Jalen Brunson. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I, I really, I think people are sleeping on the Clippers a little, and I think they're lying in lurch as far as this playoff goes. Uh, the same as Philly. I like the path the Clippers have to the Western Conference Finals, especially with the teams they could play. I mean, they could wind up playing the Mavs and one of the Blazers or the Nuggets to get to the Western Conference Finals, which seems pretty doable to me. Kawhi looks healthy. Paul George is talking more shit, so he's either burying himself a bigger hole or finally you know, has that ultimate hurdle to get over. So I do think the Clippers eventually take that series, but... Uh, that might be the longest and the most fun with the most fireworks. I want to throw out some predictions. I want to hear from you, Benny Horowitz, who will be our NBA finals. Not who's going to win the championship, who's going to be in the NBA finals. NBA finals right now. Right now. Yeah. I got to call it right now. Right now. <laughs> I, You know what? I There's no way. I'm not going to go off my preseason right now, you know? It's Nets-Lakers still. Yeah. Like, and then... Uh, Unless some of these some of these people go down, I'm sticking with my uh, sticking with my preseason uh, preseason pick here. Yeah, I think we picked the same thing at the top of the season. I know that you know I've kind of felt the same way. It's just going to be an electric final, though. I do have to say though, I think that there's a chance for some. Uh, I think this year, probably over, maybe outside of last year, I think that there's a chance for. You know, some 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 teams that get hot, but it's gonna be interesting to see how it went with fans coming back into the arenas uh, in a bigger capacity. How that impacts, you know, the performance. Like, if the fans going crazy in Utah, can you know, people are sleeping on them a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, the combination of the fans, their high prolific offense, I think that could be a, a interesting thing. But I still have to go with Lakers Nets. Laker, let me tell you something, though. Frank Vogel's got to pull the Band-Aid on something, and it became pretty obvious last night. You play Anthony Davis at the five Mm. almost the whole fucking game, please. And when he's not at the five, you play Marcus Saul. Andre Drummond has no business on that team. I'm sorry. He's a talented kid, but it's just not working, and that team does not vibe with him on the floor. They got to do something about that. I think it's you know the thing that we saw a couple years ago in uh, Philadelphia. You, you got two big guys that don't have have the chemistry down, and you know the the old motto in the NBA used to be, "Oh, you like want those like twin towers." Not when you have a guy like Anthony Davis and LeBron that can pretty much play five positions if they really wanted to. Um, and sadly, if this goes south for Drummond and he can't figure it out with the Lakers, and God forbid this costs them a championship, that's his legacy. 
I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's I had mean, a great career, but it, that's his legacy. I mean, listen, I, Drummond is one of those guys, and I, and I usually, you know, I'm not the biggest analytics guy. I like watching mm. the games. I like seeing what happens on the floor. And I didn't always buy the fact that his stats were empty. You know, mm. I, I'm like, listen, if a guy's putting up fucking 20 and 15 a night, like, it's helping your fucking team. But, you know, when you watch him operate inside of the context of a very good team where you need to pick and choose your spots and play a role, he really doesn't know what the fuck he's doing down Mm. there. And I watch him crashing for certain boards, going after for certain blocks, like trying to set screens in the wrong place. And I'm just like, you know what? Just doesn't work with this guy, man. Like he's he's a nice basketball player, but he's not a good basketball player, maybe. All right. A couple more sports headlines to get to before we get out of here. Benny, real quick, we're just going to run through some of the things that may have caught the Internet's attention. All right. First up, we head to the NFL and we head down to Florida where Tim Tebow signed a contract to play professional football. Not exactly sure. That's my husband. Oh, I thought you were, like, stretching. I was like, okay, this segment's not going to be that intense. Um, so Tim Tebow signed a contract to, I guess, make the team with the Jacksonville Jaguars, reuniting with former Florida head coach and his head coach, Urban Meyer. Um, Tebow, who you know, for the last couple of years was on TV with the SEC Network and ABC News, um, going back to the gridiron to play tight end, Benny um, is this more than just a ploy to get fans in those uh, suites in Jacksonville that have the hot tubs? No. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is the singular reason it's happening. I, it, it is. Like, do I, do I have any reason to believe Tim Tebow should be on a football team doing anything right now? No, not really. Uh, what is he right now? He's a name. He's really... Fr- good friends with the coach. People like him a lot. Maybe he's a good guy to have around for a few weeks. He can, you know, get a couple of the O linemen into Jesus, get him right or something. But no, this is, this is strictly for the name, uh, strictly for whatever fans he has down in Florida and strictly to uh, give some kind of fuck you to Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. And that was exactly what I was going to say. Can we get Colin Kaepernick like a wide receiver tryout with some if we're if we're retreading Tim Tebow, we got to I mean, come on. This is so crazy at this point, but I'm not going to get into that. I think that this is a you know, it's just I thought Tom Coughlin was better than this. I really did. <laughs> I really did. Anyway, I don't think so. All right, Benny, let's head to Major League Baseball. And we got a couple Please. stories here. We got a which do you want first? Do you want Kluber or do you want Tony Larusa? Let's go no hitters first because it's a shorter point. Okay. So on Wednesday night, New York Yankees pitcher Corey Kluber uh, went nine innings pitched, uh, had the no hitter against the Texas Rangers. Um, what's this? The eighth no hitter this year, Benny? I think. Well, I think it's seventh. It's depending. On whether Major League Baseball is counting Madison Bumgarner's seven-inning one or not. How are they just... Apparently, every statistic in that game is being counted except for the fact that it's a no-hitter. Oh, my gosh. I don't really, gosh, that I don't really like... understand what baseball is doing there. So that's where the, num- the only number is in question. But, yes, it's been a, a minimum of six. 
and uh, definitely seven, probably. That sounds like a uh, a, a Stugatz personal record book observation to yeah, me. There, pretty fucking stupid. Um, but so, but, I mean, here's the thing with it: it's like it's obviously a bit of an epidemic of some <laughs> sorts right now. You know, it's easier to throw no hitters. Um, it's been pretty well documented. The you know, scientific approach to pitchers and the optimization and all the stuff they're using is making it harder and harder for people to get the the bat on the baseball and less balls in play, especially I think this lends to the strikeout home run era we're in is that you have less and less people spraying balls all around the field, less and less people poking them to left, poking them to right because they're not trying to anymore. Mm. They're trying to hit a home run or they're going to strike out. So Yes, because of that, it's alarming to me. But I, you know, here's the thing with no hitters. No hitters have always been a strange fluke. And largely over the years that I've been a baseball fan, it's been no-name players having the best game of their lives. Mm. So it's not really largely indicative of your talent or your career. So because of that, I'm not too precious about it. It's not like some crazy record. It's not like a Babe Ruthian thing that Corey Kluber is now tackling because of uh, the fact that hitting got out. Um, but what I think it is, it's just a indication of uh, baseball's issues and the fact that they're going to have to make some changes at some point to get more balls in play. Seattle literally hit 199 for the month last month. Like this is not going to cut it. They're major league baseball players and uh, it's getting less and less fun to watch. So, I'm not really too precious about the fact that everyone's throwing no hitters who gives a shit, but it's uh, an indication of a larger issue in baseball. You know, it kind of goes back to what I said on the encore last week about Otani and why people aren't paying attention to that. I personally kind of enjoy a, a, a pitcher's duel. I know that there's not much action, but I also really enjoy a scoreless draw in soccer. So I think that, you know, the fan that baseball is catering to eats this up, but you can't really, like, there's one clip from this that's socially shareable if you're trying <laughs> to capture Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Like, what's it just going to be, like a montage of guys swinging and missing? Nobody wants to view that. So I don't know what Theo Epstein and Rob Manfred are going to put together to try to make the game more interesting, um, but I like a no hitter, but I can see where this is not the way to try to curry favor with the public. Yeah. Let's just make them throw basketballs or something, <laughs> you know, it's going to become basketball real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And then one other baseball headline for us. Oh boy. Okay, Benny, let's head to Chicago where <laughs> the Chicago White Sox old just... white guys in baseball <laughs> segment. <laughs> That's that's every baseball podcast ever. White guys in baseball. Um, But let's go to Chicago where the White Sox have been tearing it up in the beginning of the season, led by rookie Yerman Mercedes. So the other night against the Twins, it got a bit of an interesting situation. Benny, I don't know how this happens, but apparently they were blowing out the Twins so much that they put a field player on the mound to pitch. Not sure exactly why you do that. You can explain that to me in just a second. (laughs) But the field player throws an absolute meatball. Yerman, who's young, big eyes, saw it and was like, let me smack this one out of the fence. 
um, which is great. You know, he took advantage of it. If they're going to put a field player on the mound, he might as well do it. Well, Tony LaRusa wasn't exactly thrilled with this. He's like, he's, he's like, he's disrespecting the game. We're already up and up, blah, 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 blah. Unwritten rules of baseball, which is why people don't like it. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing, his teammates stuck up for him, and apparently there's no friction in the clubhouse because I think the team kind of looks around and is like, hey, this guy's out of touch. He's just here because they needed to make the hire. So, Benny, I got to... The, the way I, I want to ask this to you is, is LaRusa yelling into the void more of an indication that managers really aren't that important in baseball anymore? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that okay. because, you know, I think it's easy to take a real quick position on this, but Tony LaRusa has three rings. Um, guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's a great baseball mind besides for everything else is hijinks that he does. Like he still has that. The White Sox are off to a scorching start. So I'm not just going to say like blanketly, like, no, this guy is yelling into the air. He doesn't know what he's doing because that's just not the case. But so this one's a strange one for me, Denny. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've gone back and forth a number of times and I sort of agree with both Mm -hmm. if I can. Okay. Now I do not not like publicly ragging on a kid who's having his breakout season, still cementing themselves and are potentially having the greatest couple months of his career. You know, you don't know what this guy's going to be. He's not Mm -hmm. Miguel Cabrera. He just popped up. A lot of guys have a real hot 300 at bats and you never fucking hear from him again. (laughs) So I don't think you really have to treat this guy like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is like, People talk about old school and unwritten rules. Well, if you're old, if you're so old school, why don't you deal with it internally? Hmm. Isn't that the old school thing to do to talk to your man? You know, go off on the side, talk to your man, deal with it. Don't tell the press shit. That's old school. And you know what you did by calling him out? Mercedes got a fucking ball thrown behind his back last night. So that's why his players don't like it. It's not about the fact that he swung or not. I don't even think that's what it's about. It's about the fact that you need your manager to stick up for you publicly. And look what happened when he didn't. He got thrown at because of it. So I think there's an issue there. Now, I hear LaRusa talking about it. And I hear him towing the line of respect, sportsmanship. Uh, You know, when, when I see it put in that certain context of, not rubbing the salt into the wounds of another competitor and uh, not, you know, not rubbing it in and not, not, and, and showing some sportsmanship. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? It's true. And maybe he's right a little. So here's where I go down to Denny. You know mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I'm a numbers man. Okay? okay. Here we go. And I got some numbers for you. Okay. Do so you want to know the largest innings of runs scored in modern baseball history? I'd love to. Here's the top five. Mm-hmm. Red Sox was 17 in 1953. Rangers with 16 in 1996. Dodgers with 15 in 1952. Indians with 14 in 2009. And the Red Sox with 14 in 2003. So here's where I land on it. This mm-hmm. isn't fucking basketball. There's no clock. It's not impossible to come back. So you keep fucking playing until the end. There was only 12 runs, and who the fuck knows? San Francisco Giants scored nine runs in an inning today. Mm -hmm. 
They almost did it. I'm not talking about the ancient past. <laughs> These are teams from the 90s, the early 2000s who scored this. So that being said, I'm a numbers man. I'm about winning and losing. If you want the game to end, put a fucking pitcher in and make the game end. Yeah. And stop putting your backup catcher in there throwing 49-mile-an-hour meatballs that are going for it. And speaking of which, not easy to hit a 49-mile-an-hour pitch <laughs> out of a stadium. That's kind of impressive on its own. So that's where I stand. I'm with Mercedes, Larusa. You got to stand up for your boys. I'm just so confused why, why – like – Maybe this is how I'm showing that I'm not a baseball person at all. Why are you putting in a like if like say with a band, right? If say you were about to play guitar for Gaslight, right? Like right. like to end the show, why are you doing this? Like it makes zero sense to me. I'll tell you why <laughs> though. It's it's because of what we talked about. It's absolute faith in the unwritten rule itself. Oh, that's bullshit. The man. twins are so certain. Yeah that the other team is going to play ball with these unwritten rules that you could put a fucking child out there because we're not trying to actually win. So they have such faith in the fact that the other team is done getting after it, that they'll put their boys out there and not waste their arms. And that's you know why it, it is the baseball people that like that, that complain about the NBA for load management when you're doing the exact same thing, you fucking hypocrites. All right, Benny, finally, sometimes you go to a show and you don't hear your favorite song and the band says goodnight, and you're left to cheer to try to get them to come back on stage. Well, here at the tune-up, we'll skip the applause and get right to the stuff we didn't have time for in a segment we're calling the Tune-Up Encore. Danny, 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 one more song. One more hot take. One more Like anybody wants another take out of us, but we'll give it to you. All right, Benny, what do you got today? So... There's been a lot of kerfuffle this week about UFOs, or what are they now? UAEs, <laughs> Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs. <laughs> I can't even say it yet. Now, listen, I'm not a guy who thinks we're alone in the universe here. <laughs> I think we might be aliens in human suits just hanging out in a place we're not even allowed to be. So I'm not saying I don't believe it, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm saying I very much believe it. What I don't believe is this is now some oh, threat that we need to deal with so immediately uh, when I hear, you know, congressmen being like, oh, shit, we better start taking this seriously. We better get to work. You know, until I uh, see a country like Luxembourg <laughs> or, uh, you know, Honduras showing us uh, photos of uh, UAPs that, uh why am I to believe that this isn't just something there to inflate some budgets, get the uh, Space Force a couple extra dollars, and make sure that China doesn't take over the dark side of the moon, which you're actually worried about? <laughs> this seems to me like two weeks ago, there was some kind of debriefing in the government where they said, hey, listen, China, Russia, this country, this private company, this company, this company... They're all trying to get to the moon. They're all trying to get to Mars. We need more money. We need more public support. Ricky Rubio, go on TV (laughs) and tell us that you're really scared of UFOs now. It's such a load of horse shit. And even though I believe in UAPs and everything that's going on, I don't believe in this. And yes, I call them Ricky Rubio. 
I love the idea of Frankie Rubio getting to the press conference in Minnesota. Tying his hair back. And and there being a political reporter in the Zoom thinking he's talking to Marco Rubio. I love it. (laughs) Oh, Benny. All right, Benny. Well, I got one quick one here. And, Benny, did you know that for the first time ever, a basketball fan went into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame in oh. Springfield? Uh, Navatia, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name. I really did not mean to do that. But he has been at every single Toronto Raptors game since they started in 1995. Um, he, you know, he, he won a ring when they won in 2019. Um, but Benny, I have a huge problem with this because it disrespects every single player that, you know, we, (laughs) we debate about, Oh, do, do they have a hall of fame resume? And this guy is literally buying tickets to get into the games. And that is what's going to get you into the hall of fame. I guess you can now just buy yourself into the hall of fame. So I know that there's a bunch of people, like if that's the case, I guess Jack Nicholson's going to be in the hall of fame. Spike (laughs) Lee's going to be in the hall of fame. Like, where does this end? This sets a dangerous precedent. And the Hall of Fame just didn't need to do this. People already kind of don't respect it because, uh, you know, you have these college guys that don't have these uh, great pro careers getting in all the time. What's up, Chris Webber? No, just kidding. Um, And, you know, it's it's just another sad thing because fans, like, you don't put in the work. Drinking six beers and heckling... Dennis Rodman in the '90s is not why you should be in the Hall of Fame. So shame on you. Let's let's do better in the future. It's true. It's a good point. I didn't even think of it like that when I first saw this story. I went to wait, wait, wait. Why him instead of Clipper <laughs> Darrell? Yeah. Instead of Mister Whammy? Billy you know Crystal? the real old school great <laughs> super fans that have been around. But you make an even better point, which is like Tim Hardaway sitting at home being like, <laughs> like, who the fuck is this guy? You fucking kidding me? You know, I was like, you know, I'm like top top seven in history and assists. Can I get on that fucking list? Yeah, it's true. Uh, Good point. All right. Funny ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you, if you want to follow the big man, he's at Benny Hoy with one. Number one in your mind. Number one in your heart. Number one on Twitter. Almost forgot. Coming back for more. If you want to follow us, find all of our content at the TuneUp HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We out here. We are everywhere you want to be. Hey, and the TuneUp on YouTube. Come on, subscribe. Get stuff that you did not hear on this podcast. We got a lot of videos. Great stuff up there. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Danny underscore Gallagher. Uh, I've been t- tweeting a lot from the SiriusXM NBA account. So if you want videos, highlights, and shit, that's always a good way to go. Benny, you got anything else? Everybody, love everybody. You've been listening to the tune up. <laughs>